Live from our man caves in Hawaii, Virginia, and Tennessee, welcome to MLS Gone Wild, where Dak, Blem, and Poopus bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get her going, boys. What's up, y'all? This is Blem again, and welcome back to a special edition of MLS Gone Wild. What's going on, guys? Dak here, back again. Uh, sorry about last night, missed yesterday. I'm really looking forward to being back with you guys tonight. As the poop is again, welcome back. You know, Walt Disney World Magic brought us a great MLS tournament bracket today, so we're all excited to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, second recording in, you know, consecutive days. Yesterday, the MLS announced the MLS is back tournament details. We covered those last night as much as we knew. Today, they announced through live video a live draw of the groups. Orlando and Inter-Miami are opening up the tourney on July 8th at 9 a.m. Opening game, rivalry game, Florida rivalry. Looking forward to that. So, six groups, 26 teams, 16 teams make it through to the group stages. You guys watched the live video. We were all together on FaceTime. What did you guys think of the live draw? It was was different. It was... Normally, you have everybody up on stage and everybody in different balls and kind of buckets that you're picking out, bowls that you're picking out of. But the fact that you had the GMs or the technical directors on Zoom call telling Charlie Davies which one to pick and him just picking a ball, it was kind of weird. It looked like it just seemed like they had a lot more control with the draw than normally would happen. Are you are you suggesting that it may have been fixed? I'm not saying or, or, it was, or, or, tam- or tampered with. I'm not <laughs> saying it was fixed or tampered, but at the same time, I wouldn't be upset if it didn't. If it was, um, I mean, we'll get into the matchups and the groups in a minute. But I mean, they you want viewers, and what they're going to get are viewers because of the matchups that they have with teams in each of the groups. So if it's rigged, it's for the good. If it's not rigged, then they got lucky with how the draws ended up. I don't know. I just thought they could have made it a lot, a lot quicker instead of interviewing the people. Just you know, pull the balls themselves and pick the teams that way instead of just you know doing all the interviews and stuff like that. So, because I think it took a little bit too long on the part they did, but you know, it just it's just me. Yeah, when I first tuned in, the one of the hosts from the MLS call up was on there with Charlie Davies. Sorry, I forget her name off the top of my head and. You know, I thought the draw was actually going to take a lot longer than it did, and it went quicker than expected. But as soon as I saw earlier in the day that Andrew Wiebe had posted on his Twitter saying that Orlando and Inter-Miami were going to be the opening match in the tournament, I kind of got an early feel on how the rest of the draw was going to go, that they might be leaning kind of towards those, those, you know, rivalry games. So, Dakota, like you said, they are – keying in on those those rivalry games those are going to drive the viewers more people are going to watch those games whether it's hell is real or whether it's you know montreal versus toronto or whether it's you know enter miami versus nashville two you know expansion teams uh, there there's some big games with big implications uh, there's there's feelings on either side so Although I think it was definitely uh, well thought out. You know, some people may call it rigged. I think it's a good business plan, to be honest with you. 
especially when you're going to have games at 9 a.m. You know, you need to – if you're going to have games at 9 a.m., you might as well have rivalry games, games that are going to draw attention. You know, so that's – it's a good idea by them, to be honest with you. So I was just talking a little bit about matchups. What do you guys – what's your favorite matchup that you're you're looking forward to? So I was kind of going through the groups and the games and kind of that sort of thing. The match I'm looking forward to the most is LAFC and Portland in Group F down there. Nah, no, LAFC and LA Galaxy, hands down. Honestly, in that in that group. But the thing El Trafico. Is- yep. El- I go with El Trafico. Two big, two big teams in that group right there. So. I don't think so. It, what's 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 the difference between those two games, those two matchups? To me, LAFC and Portland are two evenly matched teams. The way they've been playing in recent years, the way they started this year. I mean, you got Galaxy, who's off to a rough, rough start, and I mean, LAFC is blazing right now. And it's just, it's more, it's going to be more of a thrilling matchup. If you like goals. You're gonna get that LAFC Galaxy, but if you like two evenly good teams battling it out, going all out on each other in that, because eventually, what's gonna come down to that group is those two teams. That game is gonna be the differential in who wins that group, in my opinion, and that's but the feel you want. You also gotta think about it. they haven't played in so long, so it those two those two games in the beginning of the season really don't matter at this point because they're pretty much restarting the whole season. So they're gonna be they're gonna be rusty. LAFC not may not kick off on, on how they did in the beginning of the season. So who knows in how the, how those games are actually gonna go? I mean, you 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 hit it there. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not gonna say you're wrong about that. And we don't know the schedule of these games either. If that's the third game, then it's even better chance that that's gonna be a good matchup. But if that's the first game, then we'll find out. But the talent of those players on each of those teams. Those players have been doing stuff outside of uh, the training grounds. They haven't done team training, but they've been doing individual training, getting touches on the ball. So they're not as rusty as some people might be thinking or might be saying they are, possibly. I mean, we just got to see when it happens. But, I mean, there's also rumors that Carlos Baylor won't be there in a tournament because his wife is pregnant. So we'll find out about that, too. But I'm sure Don Garber will drag him, drag him down to Orlando anyway, so – I mean, you take Vela out of that team, you still have Diomande, you still have Rossi, you still have Blessing, Mark Anthony K. I mean, that team, Vela is very, very good. Don't get me wrong. He's the biggest piece of that team. But even without him, I still think they put up numbers. They might, but we'll just have to see what happens when the uh, tournament starts July 8th. So my first point about the LA Galaxy, I won't get too in-depth here. We talked about it a little bit last night about Chicharito and how we haven't seen the best of Chicharito. And Chicharito has played for the Mexican national team, Manchester United, some of the biggest clubs across the world. And we've seen the best of Chicharito, but we haven't seen the best of Chicharito yet in the MLS. Now that there's, I don't want to say there's no pressure, but there's less pressure. You're not playing in front of fans. You're not playing in the spotlight of LA. You're playing in a, what should be considered a remote location at this point. Are we going to see better of Chicharito? I I don't think any of those things are going to make a difference. It's more of a mindset outside of all those things. It's his playing abilities. I mean, if you're in a slump, you're not worried about who's in the crowd, what's going on in the crowd, out, anything outside of that. You're more worried about what's going on with the ball at your feet and everything like that. So I 
I don't think any of those factors are going to necessarily make him give him take pressure off of him off his own shoulders. Another thing is on the play style, Scalero has planned up for this tournament because in the beginning of the season, it was just all crosses. I forget what the average amount of crosses was, but I know it was a shit ton. But <laughs> I feel like if they come out with a different play style to fit Chicharito's ability, then I think I think Chicharito will succeed in their because the LA Galaxy do not have a bad team at all. They do have a good team around, like talent wise. It just all depends on if Scalero will change the change the formation, the play style of the Galaxy to fit Chicharito himself. One thing you also have to consider when you're thinking about the LA Galaxy right now going into this tournament is Alexander Katai being gone from the team. He was supposed to be the replacement <coughs> for Alessandrini. Excuse the cough. Um, but, you know, he's he's been dismissed from the team because of his wife's remarks, his, his, his wife's racist remarks. He's been removed, replaced uh, from the team. So they're going to have to find the next man up. So that takes another player out of the attack for the LA Galaxy. So, Pupas, while I would love to see the El Trafico be one of the best games in the tournament, there's just some pieces that have to fall into place for the LA Galaxy. And like you just said, we have to take into consideration that things have been halted for three months, and we don't know what we're going to get from LAFC either. And, so, and that's correct, because, I mean, we're not, we're not going to know what any of these teams are going to do in this tournament right now. So, because we haven't seen them, seen them play in so long. So, it's just going to be interesting how they start off and who starts out hot. And we've seen El Trafico before. We've seen Vela versus Ibrahimovic. A game that we haven't seen, the game that I'm highlighting, the game that I want to watch the most, enter Miami versus Nashville. I am looking forward to that game. Actually, it's that game's not even happening. I, I just looked at the Group A matchups, not even happening. So let me switch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so welcome to the special episode, special edition of MLS Gone Live. Yeah. <laughs> So, right. so it's a wonderful magic of Disney. That's what it is. Wonderful magic of Disney. So I'm going to perform some magic here and completely make y'all forget that I just said that because that game's not even happening. So that game is happening in a group that has six teams in it. So not every team is playing everybody in their division. I picked that match originally because those were two expansion teams. I find it interesting that both of them are in the same group. But other than that game, I think a game that I would really – I really want to watch, especially in this format. We're all crew fans here. I want to watch Hell is Real. I want to watch it with, it has regular season implications, but it also has implications in this tournament as well for a CONCACAF Champions League spot, points in the regular season, $1.1 million in prize money. So I'm excited to see that. The last time I watched the crew play FC Cincinnati, the crew absolutely demolished them. Luis Diaz had a huge game. I'm looking forward to that game whatever you know it starts on july 8th don't know what day it's going to be yet but whatever day it is best believe i'm going to take off work if it's at 9 a.m i'm going to take off work whether it's at 8 p.m i don't care i'm going to pregame i'm going to take off work um so whenever the crew plays look for blake to be free that day so i'm i'm looking forward to that but there's other than the games that we just listed there's so many other games that you you can you can list in there that are you know games to really look forward to Guys, just like the World Cup, you know, the World Cup always have it has a group of death. The group of death being the the group, the best group, the group that's even sometimes the best teams don't even make it out of. For you guys, which group in this MLS's back tournament is the group of death? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky. Um, there's quite a bit the way these groups panned out. Uh, there's multiple possible groups of death. I can one I'm looking at is Group E, which is the Atlanta Cincy Red Bull Crew Group, and then I'm also looking at Group D as well, the RSL uh, Sporting KC Rapids and Minnesota. You got all those teams are well quality, good quality teams. And you never know what you're going to get from any of those teams. I mean, again, we talked about it. This, what happens in the past doesn't really matter now, but at the same time, you kind of have to think about that. That's always in the back of your mind, making these predictions and kind of stuff. So you look at sporting KC, who is absolutely on a tear at the beginning of the year. You look at the Rapids, who was on a tear at the end of last year and then was good at the beginning of this year, too. You look at M- Minnesota, who's putting up results. You look at RSL, who's putting up, who's been putting up results. So, I mean, I think that group can go any which way. But then you also got the Atlanta-Cincinnati Red Bull crew group where you have Atlanta, who, yes, without Joseph Martinez, but they still got some very quality players in there. You got Red Bull in there. You got crew in there since he I think since he is going to take advantage I think hopefully they're going to take advantage of that three-month span they just hired a new coach and I think hopefully that they come back they come looking for a little vengeance on the way their first season went and the way this beginning of this season went so hopefully that becomes very competitive but those are my two groups and I just think those are going to be the most competitive out of the groups and you really can't predict who's going to come out so unfortunately, right before we got on this this podcast, I was you know I was telling Dakota. Hopefully, we don't have the same group. Unfortunately, we do have the same group. I also have Group D. Three. So there's currently four teams through the first two games in the MLS that have six points, two wins, undefeated. Three of those teams are in Group D with Sporting Kansas City, Minnesota, and the Colorado Rapids. Sporting Kansas City has scored seven goals and given up one goal in two games. They beat Vancouver. Three to one, they swept Houston four to zero. And FIFA, you're done at three zero. They beat them four zero. They got guys like Alan Polito and Gotti Keen to scoring goals. Two brand new guys. Poop, that's your boy Alan Polito. Polito's dirty. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. So, so Sporting Kansas City has scored seven goals in the first two games. All right. So Minnesota will one up you. Minnesota is in second place. They have, uh, you know, they have they're they're two and zero. They have eight goals for and three goals against. So the only reason they're in second is because of the goals differential, but they scored eight goals in two games. They beat Portland in Portland three to one. That is a ginormous win for a team like Minnesota, a team that a couple of years ago was just an expansion team. And we were riding off just like we're riding off FC Cincinnati right now. And they also beat San Jose five to two and in San Jose. Those are two huge wins. Those are eight goals in two games. That's ridiculous. And they have a, you know, a, a player like Kevin Molino, his, who has, you know, reemerged as an elite goal scorer and a, a really good player in this league after his stint in Orlando. You've got a guy like Ike Opara who's got two or three goals in the first two games. And then I have to shout out our guy, Ja'Cory Hayes, who we just had on for an interview. You know, they've got all these players on top of so many more. And then you have Colorado Rapids, who are also – they're in third place. They're also 2-0. They have scored less goals this season, but they beat D.C. 2-1 to one in D.C. on opening day. And then they beat Orlando in Orlando 2-1. to one. 
so they can win in Orlando. Doesn't matter where. Uh, they've got guys like Keegan Rosenberry, Kai Kamara, Jack Price. And again, I have to shout out a guy that's been on our podcast, Kellen Acosta. Don't forget, down at the very bottom of this group, the last team I'm going to list is Real Salt Lake. Right now, they're in ninth place. Okay, it's two games in. So the first three teams I listed, they're off to a hot start. They've scored a lot of goals. You know, they look consistent through two games. But a team that was great last year, RSL was one of the six teams that was considered to be quote-unquote seeded, meaning that either they had, you know, won the East, won the West, or some other uh, accolade like that. But they didn't have any of those things. They qualified for the sixth spot because they were the – highest remaining point score from the 2018-2019 season. So they've got that sixth spot. Unfortunately, right now, they are they have two ties, one goal for, one goal against. So that bracket, they're not that bracket, but that group for me, it's, it's a toss-up. I think anybody can come through there. I think it's a super – it's a very fair, fair group. And literally, we might see a couple of ties – and it might come down to some tiebreakers in that group, to be honest with you. Teams might get their heart, bro- heart broke in there. So I'm really looking forward to watching Group D, to be honest with you. And honestly, I mean, I agree with you guys on that. But I think even though these are, like, lower lower tier teams on the standings right now from, like, from to the first two games, I think Group A in the East is something to watch. Because none of them started too hot in the beginning of the season, but – I feel like they're gonna they're gonna be fighting for for that for those spots in that group, honestly. And honestly, me, I think Miami's gonna come out of that group too. Miami will come out of that group without a doubt. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys an early prediction that I'm, we're gonna get into later in the podcast. But I have Inter Miami going through out of Group A because I mean, you look. I mean, Chicago, like, yeah, they're struggling. They were struggling beginning of the season so far, but I mean, they're they're a tough team to play. And Nashville, they 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 should have they definitely should have won a game at the beginning of the season because they they had their chances there. And I just feel like I don't know. I feel like that's gonna be a good good group to watch because I mean they're just gonna battle with each other each other big time for what they did in the beginning of the season. They're gonna want to show up everybody. Yeah, I I completely agree. I was just at I go to a Mexican restaurant every Thursday. Three amigos in. It should be Chesapeake, but it's technically Virginia Beach, Virginia. I've gone there every Thursday for multiple years. Anyway, I won't go off on a tangent, but they always show soccer in there. And when I was in there today, I don't know what channel it was on, but LAFC and Enter Miami were playing. Uh, it was the first game of the, the MLS season this year. And watching that game, you know, that was the game that Carlos Vela had his chip over uh, Luis Robles. But Enter Miami looked so dangerous. Pizarro looked so dangerous that Pellegrini looks so dangerous they they have a really legitimate good team and they have a chance if there's some if there's other teams like Philadelphia and Chicago and New York City if they slip up you've got two expansion teams they're looking look this is their first season okay so we're 25 years into the MLS but you have Inter Miami and Nashville both their first years in the MLS right now in their first season Okay, neither of them started out too hot in the very first two games of the regular season. But right now, like we talked about last night, the MLS has an opportunity to grow the fan base. Inter Miami and Nashville has an opportunity to do something unprecedented to go ahead and at least win that group. You know, I don't think that Inter Miami or Nashville is going to win the whole tournament, but for one of them to 
win or go through this group is huge. When you have somebody like New York City FC, who literally finished first in the East table last year, Philadelphia finished top five in the East table last year. They have legitimate players, and so does Chicago, and I mean, so does Orlando. To be honest with but, you, like they have they have good players. So if one of those two goes through, that's huge. We all know Orlando ain't going through, so let's, we can agree on that one already. Hey, I know it's not really home field advantage, but we may be surprised by Orlando. We, we might, could be we, we could might. be surprised. We'll see what happens. What, what did you say earlier? It's the what kind of magic is it? The Walt, the wonderful world of Disney ma- magic. That's what it is. Hey, it could happen, man. Buzz Lightyear and Mickey Mouse could be out there scoring buckets for Orlando City SC, and you know they they could go through. They better be on the sideline. That's all I gotta say. I'll definitely be watching <laughs> for them also. So, guys, we just talked about the group of death. You know, what is the hardest group? To you guys, what is the easiest group? What team is going to absolutely run through the group that they're in? and storm into the round of 16. I'm going to go with Toronto in Group C. I mean, you look at Toronto. Toronto is a very quality, good team. Josie Altador, Pozuela. I mean, they got the players there. And then you got New England, who is under new head coach. Bruce Arena has struggled. Impact under new head coach, um, Henry. But... They've been decent, but they can't. They've been good in games, but they can't get the results at the end of the game. They can't fully put together a full 90 minute performance to get three points. And DC United so far has looked very poor since losing Wayne Rooney. They haven't been able to figure out who their vocal point in their attack is so far. So I think Toronto has the easiest route to win a group. And they lost Luciano Acosta. So they lost. And they lost. uh, They lost (laughs) Durkin too, I believe. Yeah, they still have Paul Ariola. No, they don't even have Paul Paul Ariola. He tore his ACL in the preseason. There it is. He's still with the team, but he's not playing. Thank you, Dak, for that quick, quick fun fact for the day. Dak always provides me (laughs) something I did not know. Poopus, who do you who do you got? This was hard because I don't know. Each group, each group is pretty difficult to, to choose, honestly, because you never know what what can happen. But uh, I want to say, ooh man, uh, I feel like Seattle has a good chance to come out of that group, even though FC Dallas is is pretty damn good this year. And well, maybe let me, let me take that back. Let me take that back, actually. Uh, good because that's who I have. Oh, is it? <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I kind of disagree with with Dakota, honestly, with Dak, because I feel like Montreal is going to come out hot, especially with Henri as, as their coach. Like they didn't mess around in the beginning of the season, and they're right now they're in second place in their in their conference. So. I believe they're going to come out hot again because Henry doesn't mess around. Like, he he's tough on his team already. So, I feel like he's going to go balls to the wall already. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a Canadian rivalry. You know, they're going to match up one time within that that 
that uh, that group. I keep wanting to call it a bracket. It's so weird for me because they keep using the word seed for me, even though they're really not seeded. So I keep wanting to call it a bracket, but it's really a group. It's bothering me. <laughs> it's hard to wrap my brain around. But yeah, I think I think Montreal could definitely pose an issue with Toronto. But to be honest with you, I could see both of them going through. Well, which I mean, I, I can agree with you because I think it's going to be Toronto and Montreal to get go through that with that group too. For me, it's going to be Seattle. Like I just gave the spoiler after Poopus took back his original <laughs> statement. So you know, Vancouver and San Jose did not make the playoffs last year. They're both in the group with Seattle. Seattle won the MLS Cup last year. Dallas was the last team to sneak into the playoffs. They were the very last seed in the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs. When you're Seattle and you have players like Nicholas Ladero, Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, Raul Rui Diaz, and so many more, Christian, you know, Lear Dam, and the defenders that they have, they are such a well-rounded team. So well-rounded. They're so good. I, I don't foresee Vancouver, San Jose putting up a fight. I see FC Dallas giving them a run for their money. But Seattle, to me, I think Seattle comes out of that group of nine points, to be honest with you. Yeah, and you can't forget about Stefan Fry either. Their they're, uh, they're goalkeeper is pretty, pretty damn amazing, to be honest. 100%. 100%. So, guys, the next two things we're going to get into is the predictions. We're going to pick the top two teams from each group, and then we're going to pick our ultimate winner of – the MLS is back tournament. And we're also going to pick the player that we think is going to win the golden boot. All right. So Poopus, do you want to go first? Group A, who do you have? Me? It's going to be Miami. And I think it's going to be Chicago. Whoa. Out of that group. You think Miami's, you think, you think inner Miami is going to finish first? In the first, what do you mean in the first round? No, you think they're going to finish first in that group in Group A? Honestly, yeah. I'm, I think they're going to Are we first. throwing New York City okay. FC out okay. the window okay. then, Poopus? I mean, hey. isn't that what I said? Hey, exactly. hey it's, a, it's a hot take, man. I like it. Let's get it going. Okay. I love it. Dak, what I do got you got Miami. I got NYCFC finishing first My- with Miami finishing second. Okay, so you did not throw NYCFC out the window. NYCFC was the 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 leader in points in the Eastern Conference last year at the end of the season. So I respect that. A little bit of a hot take here on my end for Group A. Philadelphia is going to win the group. Enter Miami's coming in second. Are we writing okay. these down? Okay. A little bit of a. Are we writing these down? Is someone uh, writing these down? All right. I've got them all typed out. Uh, oh, no, your guys is – yeah, just write your guys down so we can keep track, uh, you know, to see who was who was correct. I was – when I was typing all mine out, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait until this whole tournament's over and I can tell everybody I was right, and I'll probably be – I will have 0% things right, I'm sure. I mean, you probably ain't the only one, so it's whatever. <laughs> That's why it's a hot take, baby. Hey, man, special episode, MLS Gone Wild. Here we are. Exactly. We're always <laughs> special. Let's keep it going. That did always. All right, so Group B, Poopus, you started us off. Who do you got in Group B? Group B, definitely Seattle in first. It's gonna be Seattle and FC Dallas. Okay, that's that's what I have, so I won't have to interject later. That's exactly I have the same I have. exact thing there. 
Yeah, I think, you know, like I just said, I picked that as the easiest group. I think Seattle is going to get nine points out of that group. FC Dallas, maybe six points, four points and beat the other, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Vancouver or San Jose out by a point or two. So we all have Seattle and FC Dallas. But the thing is, we could be wrong too. So we never know. We never Exactly. Know. And, and that's the thing about this tournament. You know, we have Seattle who just came in as the previous winner of, you know, the MLS Cup last year. But there's been three months off. This is an unprecedented time. We don't know what kind of, you know, we, we expect players to come back with a certain fitness level, with a certain skill level. You know, they've been doing individual training, small group trainings. Now a lot of teams upon their local government's jurisdiction, they're getting back into regular trainings. And on what day is it? June 24th, they're going back. June 27th, what day is it? 24th, they're going back down there and they're going to be doing full training down there after they get uh, tested for the coronavirus a couple times. So they're going to be doing full training for two weeks before they actually get playing. While they should be caught up with training and fitness things could be different to be honest with you there's no home field advantage there's no fans it's all going to feel weird so honestly we expect seattle to win group b will it happen i don't know maybe fc dallas will come up on top maybe maybe seattle doesn't even get through yeah maybe I mean, maybe a Van, maybe a vancouver slips through i don't know we'll find out that's the thing you never know you just never know all right so we all agreed on group b poopus what do you got for group c group c it is going to be Toronto in first, and I think it's going to be Montreal second. I'm going to say the same thing. I said the same thing. Okay. Wow, you guys. Man, come on. We need some more. Look at that group, though. There's no chance D.C. or New England top those two. Listen. Listen. I flip-flopped it. I've got Montreal first and Toronto second. Okay. Okay. No, I, I mean, know it's it technically sounds the same, but there's big implications to coming in first or second. I think Montreal, under the coaching of Thierry Henry, uh, you know they they they're a well disciplined team. I, that that group is like Dakota. You were talking about earlier, Toronto. You think can run away with it? I think Montreal's right there with Toronto, and I think the the deciding game in that division or in that group is going to be the Toronto versus Montreal game. And honestly, whoever wins that game is going to win the the group. If they don't win that game, if there is a tie, it's it's ultimately going to come down to goal differential or you know because I, I think the other two games both they they could match points in that group, so it could come down to a tiebreaker in that group. Which I agree with you on that one. So Group D, Poopus. Group D. So first one off off the bat. I'm going to go with Sporting Kansas City. Second one. Oh, why would you go with Sporting Kansas City? Bro, my boy Polito. Come on, baby. <laughs> That's a goal scorer right there. He's about to yes, take over is. this tournament too. So, and then my second choice will be Colorado. Got to support our boy Kelly Lacoste on there, on that. Jesus. Come on, yeah, come I on, said Dak. the same Let's thing there. I said Sporting Kansas City and Colorado. Come uh, you, on, you, just, you just must have the same brain as me, honestly. Man. So, for me, the first team that I have finishing in that group is Minnesota United FC. Like I said earlier, they've scored eight goals in two games. They beat Portland at home and San Jose at home. They've got guys like Kevin Molino and Ike Parr and Ja'Cory Hayes. 
there's no arguing with me. I got Minnesota going first. You score eight goals in the first two games of this new have season. You looked at the, I'm taking have, you. At the roster uh, that Sporting KC field, fields, though? Don't worry. I got Sporting Kansas City coming in second. Okay. They got seven goals for it. It's going to be a toss-up. I just it think, is going to be a toss-up. I just think like Poopus- all together as a collective 11, as Sporting Kansas City is more well-rounded and fills every spot more than Minnesota. I don't, I don't, and, but I don't disagree think. with, I don't disagree with you, Dakota, but listen, this is a game. This goes by a game by game basis, a goal differential basis. So, and a hot take for Blem basis. So for me, I'm taking Minnesota up top right now. They've scored eight goals in two games. Sporting Kansas city scored seven. So I'm giving Minnesota the edge here. They can score goals and in a way place. So I'm taking them. And you got to think, it's our own opinion. So really, it's whatever we choose. It goes on right now. So Yeah, and we'll keep track of these things, and we'll see who's, you know, who's hot takes. I'm just, hot takes I'm just trying to get some <laughs> reasoning behind a lot, some of these things. I want to hear why you guys are picking who you're picking and stuff like that. I think that Minnesota has a defender in Ike Parra who can also attack. He scored two goals in three games or three goals in two games. I take that back. I'm sorry. I got those flip-flopped. And they have an attack that is able to score goals at will, and they're able to score goals away from home. They haven't played a game at home yet, and they're not going to be home for the next month, you know, when they go to Orlando. You know, and neither is Sporting Kansas City. Sporting Kansas City, you know, they, they've scored seven goals as well. But I, I just – for me, I you know I, I do agree with you in the fact that Sporting Kansas City has the better overall team, but sometimes in the game of soccer, the better overall team doesn't win. You know, earlier you were talking about maybe FC Cincinnati doing a little something in their group. You know, they don't have a better team. You know, in, in this kind of scenario, the better team doesn't always win. You know, Goliath doesn't always win. Sometimes David wins these games, and I'm not saying Minnesota and Sporting Kansas City is David versus Goliath. Because right now in the Western Conference, those guys are very evenly matched, and that's why I put them in the group of death. Okay. So, so Dakota, why did why you did I pick Sporting Kansas City and Colorado? I mean, I picked Sporting yeah, Kansas City, like I was just saying. I mean, that team—you look at every bit of that roster, and they have potential superstars. They have MLS All Stars in their team. I mean, there's no better six in the league right now than Ilya Sanchez. You have Graham Zuzzi on the right. You have Matt Beasler in the middle, Tim Malia in goal. I mean, that team, well-rounded, has the best players collectively that you're looking at. You're, getting, you're forgetting somebody very important. Yeah, you do have Polito, but then you look at it. You have <laughs> Johnny say. Russell. You have Bianca Gianluca uh, Buzio coming off the bench. Potentially, you have you just have so many potential threats going forward. You have defenders who are rock solid. I mean, Matt Beasler is probably one of the best American defenders we've seen. I mean, and then you look at it. I mean, it's just there's so many pieces there, and they all fit together. Because and then you got Peter Vermees as the coach. I mean, that team has every piece that you're looking for. That's that's what I was gonna go get to if you were to say is Pierre Hermes because he's the he's pretty much the backbone of that whole team. That man that man is a stud. He knows what he's doing and that that man can go 
He could be. He's gonna be next that, coach. To US it's also a very also. free, so. free flowing team. I mean, none. He lets his players have free roam in situations where they need it, where they're gonna produce the best possible result, and that's key when you're looking at these types of games. You're looking at these types of games. If you have every piece there, you're gonna be able to produce. Now, Minnesota United also has pieces. They have, like I mentioned earlier, Kevin Molino, who has been on a tear this season. You know, he was, when he played for Orlando City FC, he was renowned as one of the better strikers in the league. You have Tyler Miller, a goalkeeper. You have Ike Apara in defense. We have ex-Columbus crew player Ethan Finley. Uh, also ex-crew player Aaron Schoenfeld. But you have Mason Toy. You know, you just mentioned one of the best sixes in the league. You know, one of the best defensive midfielders in the league that the league's had for the past 10 to 12 years is Osvaldo Alonso. You have to take that into consideration. An up-and-coming young midfielder and Jan Gregus, he's a phenomenal midfielder. They they have a, a legitimate squad. You know, sometimes when we are looking at teams and we're considering how good they are, we specifically look at names. And some of the names I might have just listed off to you guys – aren't as household, you know, they're not names that MLS, you know, fans or soccer fans rattle off on a daily basis. They don't sound familiar to a lot of people that may even listen to this podcast, but the names of sporting Kansas city, whether it's Graham Zussi or some of the other guys that you guys mentioned, you know, they are more household. So it makes them sound like they're the better team. But ultimately when you get 11 guys on the soccer field, Especially in this fashion, when there's no fans and you are away from your family, things are going to be different. Sometimes big names don't matter. So I think that, yes, Sporting Kansas City may be the deeper. They may be the, the, in quotes, better team. But Minnesota might top them in that tournament, in in that group. So, I mean, we'll we'll see. And that's that's another thing about this tournament. Somebody that we don't think, somebody that's like, could be a sleeper team right now is going to come out on top, which we would have we would have had no idea right now to think because we right now we're going to base it off of who has the most talent right now and who we think usually finishes up top of the table and stuff like that. So there, there's going to be a team I think that's going to come out of nowhere and take a group though. To be honest, yeah, I, I want to be surprised. I want to be shocked. I want to be taken aback by a team that. We're not even considering. I want Orlando City FC, even though I did not pick them, to come out here and win the group. You know, I I, I want these teams that we don't even think about. I want Nashville FC. I want Enter Miami. You know, I know all those three teams I just listed are all in the same group, but I want to see somebody from that three do something huge. I would prefer to be Enter Miami or Nashville because they're new teams, to be honest with you. I would love to see an expansion team do something that's, above and beyond of what the expectations would be for an expansion team when there's a pandemic going on, the season's been suspended for three months and you've got a group of players that have just been transferred in from, you know, teams all across the United States and from out of the country. I want to see them, you know, come together and produce something special on the field, something that nobody would expect. So before we get too deep, (laughs) we're all Columbus crew fans. Groupie, there's the Columbus Crew, Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, and FC Cincinnati. We all want to see Columbus Crew come out up top of that that group. 
realistically, what do you guys expect and what do you guys – who are the top two teams that come out of that? I do not have the crew coming out, and if they do, they're barely coming out. I have Atlanta taking it and then Red Bull coming in second. The crew – I mean, you look at the crew and I'm trying to be – a neutral fan here. I want to say they can win it all. I want to say they can win the group over Atlanta because of what they did in the playoffs a couple years ago. I want to say they can beat Red Bull. I want to say they're going to smack Cincinnati back home. But when you look at the crew, I mean, they're more, nothing has impressed me so far with the crew in the attacking third. You were up the very first game of the year. You have, you're up a man for what? 80 minutes. If, if not more. And you don't score until the 56 minute. I don't think there's enough presence and dangerous threats in the final third. The buildup is fantastic. The defense is fantastic but we don't have that finishing piece to score goals when it truly matters. And we've seen this with the crew year in and year out, no matter who's the coach. It's the same story every year. We have chances to put games away. We have chances to win games, and we blow them every time. So what about Atlanta United without Joseph Martinez is appealing to you, just, you know, despite Barco? And it's by Pity Martinez, too. I mean, you just look at that team and they still have pieces, though. Yosef Martinez is gone, but they still have pieces to be able to finish. So, what are those other pieces you're talking about? I mean, you look at that team. I mean, you see players and they've shown it. They've been able to score. And maybe I'm just being... Easy going, I don't know, but I I mean, they have the style of play. They have the level of intensity, the veteran players who are there who have been in this type of situations. I mean, you have Brad Guzan who has been in this type of situation, and you have the players who have been in this type of situation for this and the veteran leadership there. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think Atlanta United is a really, really good team. I have a little bit of a different finish for what I think in Group E, but I would like to hear from Poopas first and what he thinks the top two from Group E is going to be. Me, I do I do think Atlanta's going to take it, to be honest. But I think Columbus is going to come in second. Rebels, Rebels ain't going through. Neither is Cincinnati. So for me, I don't have Atlanta going through. I don't know if that's me typing up my notes out of spite or, or, or what it is. You know, I, I obviously, like I just said, I recognize Atlanta as a good team. But for me, what I value in the game of soccer is simple play, um, good tactical play. New York Red Bulls is, under Chris Armas, is a very disciplined team. They go forward when necessary. They possess the ball when necessary. The New York Red Bulls are – to be honest with you, very similar to the Columbus crew. They're a very disciplined team. They're not going to outscore you. 
both of those teams, both the New York Red Bulls and the Columbus Crew, are going to hold you to no goals to a goal a game. And it's up to the Red Bulls and the Columbus Crew to outscore those teams at that point. Do I think Atlanta is going to pose a threat to both the New York Red Bulls and the Columbus Crew? Absolutely. Could Atlanta United knock either two of those out of my top two on day one? Absolutely. But, Dakota, you just said, you know, the Columbus Crew struggle scoring goals. I understand that. You know, we do have guys out wide that can put balls in. We have Giazzi Zardes up top. Uh, you know. Zardes, Zardes needs to make sure he actually finished the, finishes it, though. Yeah. I know he struggled, he struggled last year a shit ton, and I hated it. I know we were all pissed off. But we would see him right, almost right in front of the net and just completely miss it. So, he has to finish in this tournament for yeah, it, Columbus to move on. And New York Red Bulls lost Bradley Wright Phillips to LAFC earlier this year. So they lost a goal-scoring threat, but I, I just, you know, it's another hot take, just like the, just like the Philadelphia and Inter Miami, just like the Montreal over Toronto. Uh, everybody wants to say Toronto is going to finish first in that group, just because they're the newest, hottest, shiniest thing. Yes, I know they're a good team, but like I've advocated for these teams in the past 10, 15 minutes, you know, not always the best team is going to win, especially in this situation. This is a very unique situation. I think teams that are disciplined and teams that are, I don't want to say more defensive, but more possession oriented. And they have four guys that sit back rather than, well, I know, I know the Columbus crew throws Milton Venezuela, Valenzuela and, you know, their other outside back forward. But I think the Columbus crew ultimately is very shape oriented and disciplined in their shape. And New York Red Bulls is the same thing. They're both consistent every year, the past five years that we've watched them. You know, they may they, – they always – they routinely make the playoffs. They may not finish in the top four, top five, but the way that they play on a, on a week-to-week basis is consistent. And if a coach is consistent in the way that they're coaching them and style of play, I think that goes a long way, especially in a tournament like this. So I think consistency, style of play holds precedent. I don't want to say over talent. That might be the wrong words, but – that's kind of how I'm feeling in this whole situation, especially with Group E, because Atlanta United is the most attacking team in that group. They score the most goals. It's, it's then, what they do. And I know, I know, uh, the last game I watched before this whole COVID nineteen with Atlanta, I know they had Adam John up top. That man, he just he just didn't look right up top for Atlanta United because I mean everybody's used to Joseph Martinez being that his speed demon and. Him just pretty much scoring goals one after another. And I know they have J.J. Williams, so I don't know. It's, it's going to be kind of interesting who they're going to play up top because J.J. Williams, he's a big body, and I think he has, he's a lot to offer for Atlanta too. Yeah, and this three months has offered Atlanta United an opportunity to establish maybe a new style of play without Joseph Martinez. You know, he's not coming back anytime soon, so if you are going to throw either J.J. Williams or Adam John up top, how are you going to adjust your style of play to said player? They're two separate. They're two different kinds of players. So, you know, when one player comes in, how do you adjust your formation? How do you adjust your style of play? Are you more direct? Are you more possession oriented? So, you know, that's going to come from Atlanta. They are going to have to switch up their style of play because it, it was coming from PT Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. And it's, it's not going to happen every game. And Emerson Hyman, it's not going to come every game for Atlanta. They're going to have to find, strategic ways to get their forwards involved rather than just their midfielders. And I think smart, intelligent coaches like they have at Chris Armas 
and Caleb Porter for New York and Columbus Crew could possibly offset the the goal scoring of Atlanta. And, you know, at this point, it's I don't even want to say goal scoring because they don't have Joseph Martinez, so they have to offset some of those midfielders, and I think both of those teams have players that can do that. So, And I think, and I, and I think Columbus has a great defense with Wormger and Mensa in the back there. And you got Josh Williams, too. I think that's a solid D they have back there. And I know William Francis plays back there also, but I think I think Columbus has a very very solid back line to actually help them out if they if they can't finish the ball and score goals. If they if they get one goal and press back a little bit, I think they'll be set too. And I think they'll they'll be able to make it out of the group though without a doubt. Yeah, and to be honest with you, that could have been one of the groups of death outside of FC Cincinnati. Like, unfortunately, they're. I, I hope that they do something good. I hope that they put up a good fight. But unfortunately, I don't think they're going to contend for the top two spots. But those top three spots, this could be a this this could be a group where we see one of the third place. I just teams think it's difficult it. because you look at you talk about the consistency and the possession based and everything like that in tournament style. Possession based doesn't work as well as it does in the regular season. You're looking, you have essentially three games to score as many goals as you can, pretty much. Because a tie can essentially ruin you if something else happens to ha- go wrong. If you don't score enough goals, if you don't score enough goal differential or whatever. Essentially, every the style of play that you play in a tournament format is different than what you're playing in the regular season because you don't have 35 games to gain points. You have three games to win points. So the most, the more attacking style uh, game plans and the tactical ascensions fits better in a tournament style. And it's proven that those pay off in the long run. So I disagree just a little bit, you know, every game is a game. Every game is a tactical matchup. You know, you have to take into consideration what your team, what your team's strengths, the, the, the opposing team's strengths are. You have to take into account what your your strengths are as a team. So for the Columbus crew to go into this tournament, just because I'm a crew fan, to go into this tournament and completely just disrupt what they've been doing for the past year and a half they've been with Caleb Porter and just be like, hey, we're in a tournament now, so we're going full attacking. I, I think that is... That is going to hurt you more than it is going to be an advantage to you. For you to master a style of play, regardless if you beat a team one to zero or what have you, you have to live by that. You know, I think the Columbus Crew and the New York Red Bulls, I think all of these teams have a good enough good enough teams to play the style of play. You know, maybe FC Cincinnati needs to kink things up a little bit. But these teams that have consistently made the playoffs, they consistently get decent results. I think that switching up your style of play and, you know, saying that, oh, usually we hold four back, but now we're going to throw our right winger into the attack more often or we're going to throw our left winger into the attack more often. I think that's all. And I'm not saying change up the style. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying change up the style, but I'm saying is the more attacking style based philosophies work better going forward. If you have that attacking style, philosophy that's going to pay off more than a possession-based orientation is in my opinion 
there's a lot of semantics that goes into this. So a possession-oriented team, it's not a possession-oriented team that just wants to keep the ball. They're just going to pass it 100 times and just keep the ball and not try to score a goal. A possession-oriented team is going to be a team that passes the ball to advance the ball upfield to get the ball into the box to score a goal. You know, But ultimately, they're going to start from the back and move to their six. So from Columbus Crew's history, at least since we've been you know big fans, you know they would work it around the back, give it to Will Trapp, and he would spray the ball wide, and the, and the team would go forward. That is that is a possession-oriented team to me. And if they get in the final third and they knock but the ball from around, that, net, fine. The crew but don't score. The crew are me, not it, historically known to score lots of goals. They have that possession base, but they cannot finish in that final third. You can build. You can build it up all you want to the eighteen. I, I you can pass wanna, it six, I, seven times in the eighteen all you want. But if you can't score, you can't score. That possession is wasted, and it means nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I don't want to dig too far deep into this. So the last thing I'm going to say is yes, scoring goals is important, but scoring more goals than your opponent is more important. So if you beat your opponent one to zero because your defense and your midfield is that locked down, so disciplined, and you beat a team one to zero, that's three points in the back. If you win your first game, if Columbus Crew plays Atlanta first game, beats them one to zero, gets three points. Yeah, Dakota, you know I'm what just, that does to a team. I'm going to say one more thing in the tournament. Regardless, regardless if it's regardless if it's one to zero, or yeah. If it's five and I'm going to say one more thing. You know what? How many blown to? leads have we seen the crew give up in the final five minutes of the game? Exactly. So you can't, can't trust that. You can't there's trust probably, that either with the crew. Probably too many. You can't trust them to score lots of goals, but you can't trust them to hold late leads either. I'm also an Arsenal fan. I'm a I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I'm used to heartbreak, the, so you got to give me a break I, I here, Dak. This. Stop breaking my heart too, right now. The crew have added a, <laughs> a bunch of additions to help the team out this year. That guy's Dale Ron. He's been a great addition for the team so far. He's fast-paced. He has great ball control, and he knows how to use it. He's like super. He's super technical, and he knows how to score goals too. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the most compelling groups to watch, to be honest with you. The fact that, you know, we're all crew fans, but we all know the game of soccer really well. So I think the fact that we just had this discussion and, you know, we we have opposing standpoints is good. It's what we just said is going to come to fruition within, you know, starting on July, July 8th it's going to come to fruition. We're going to see those things. We're going to see a possession-oriented team versus a very attacking team. We're going to see it, and we're going to see how those results play out. Play out. So we're going to keep track of what everybody said, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 come back at the end of this tournament, and we'll bring <laughs> out uh, the, the donkey of the day, <laughs> and uh, you know we'll we'll see who was right and who was wrong. You know, it's all up in the air. It's a game of soccer. They got to play ninety minutes, eleven on eleven. So we'll see. So we don't carry that conversation from Group E on any longer. Let's get into Group F. Who do you guys got? Poopus, Group F. It's the it's the El Trafico group. LFC first, and then Portland second. To be honest, that's all. Go with. I'm going to go with the same thing there. That group's pretty basic when you look at those teams. Houston's been struggling, um, and they just have hired Todd Ramos, who's a fantastic coach. Um, he's proven himself with the U-20s. He's produced a lot of good players there. He's gotten far into the World Cups, but I don't think he has proven himself as a MLS or professional coach at this level yet. Galaxy, we've talked about their struggles. Um, so I say LAFC 1, Portland 2. Yeah, 
Okay. I have something a little bit different. I've got El Trafico going through. I got LAFC going through one, LA Galaxy going through number two. Yes, I know. Don't ask me questions about it. I don't have great reasoning for this one. Please don't give me, don't ask me specifics. The only specific I have is that I asked a question earlier about Chicharito and pressure being on him when he came to the MLS. I think there is a certain amount of pressure when you have these kind of expectations that Chicharito had coming into the MLS. So I think this kind of break for him has been, I think it has been refreshing. And I think playing with no fans and ultimately with less pressure, I think Chicharito is going to prosper from this. And I see LA Galaxy coming through second. It's going to be tight two through four in that group, I think. But I definitely think LAFC is going to finish first. Hot take LA Galaxy second. I don't think they're as bad as we make them out to be. Yeah, we just got to see Chicharito. Going back goals. to what I said before, it's based on their style of play. They can't be crossing the ball because it's not Ibra in the middle anymore to head the ball in. And with his big big old body, it's Chicharito. So, thinking of the Chicharito the right way, he, I, I feel like he's going to – he'll go off. So – Yeah, we'll see when it all happens. Okay, so we predicted the top two from group A through F. So we've got 16 teams here. We don't have 16 teams here because we didn't pick the, the, you know, the, the three other teams. We have 12 teams here. From the 12 teams we just picked. LAFC. I'm, I'm sticking to my hot take from earlier this year uh, in week one of the podcast. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> this is tough. As much man. I want, this is I tough. want to pick Columbus because diehard crew fans, black and gold all the way. I am going with Sporting Kansas City on this one. I had a feeling, you know, something about El Toledo just, just made me think you, that you were probably going to do almost that. Almost exactly right, though, to be honest. So. <laughs> you got I a man mean, crush on that guy. We need to get him on the you. podcast. <laughs> so for me, I'm going to make them. Well, it wouldn't be back to back because they didn't win the last one because there hasn't been one. But the previous okay. MLS Cup champion, Seattle, to me, they're the most pro- they're the most proven team in the league. They are the most well rounded. They have a striker. They have guys out wide. They have a proven defense. They've got a crazy good midfield. I think Seattle is going to be well-prepared tactically fitness wise, everything. I think Seattle is going to take this tournament. Yes. LAFC is going to have a huge, huge chance. And I like Poops was saying earlier, you know, maybe Carlos Vela doesn't come, but I think that Don Garber is going to, not allow that to happen. So I think LAFC is going to come with Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, their whole roster. But I think Seattle is just a little bit more well-rounded and may beat them out in the semifinal to then meet, you know, the best team in the East, whoever that may be off the top of my head. I don't know. I don't know. It could be Atlanta. I didn't pick Atlanta. You know, you guys were talking hot on Atlanta earlier. I uh, So, you know, we'll, we'll find out. But I think Seattle is going to take the $1.1 million in prize money they're going to earn themselves the pocket calf champions league spot. And I, 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 I think it's, okay. I think it's Seattle. So we pick the winner. Who's getting the golden boot? Go with, uh... I'm going with Poopus's boy, Alan Polito. 
Okay. With the threats, with the players that he has to complement with him, Johnny Russell, you got Kerry Shelton in there now. I, he's been hot. He had what three? Goals? Two goals in two games. Yeah. So he's he's going to keep that form no matter what anybody says, no matter how long he's been off. So, you guys, I'm going to throw gonna throw something wild out there. I think it's going to be Zayla Ron. Throw it. The Holy hell. You got sunglasses on? Love you got it. black and yellow Absolutely sunglasses on or what? Love it. I need more drinks. That's what I need, but I'm going with him. Love it. Love it. All right, so for me, uh, I'm Rose taking Taylor. a player from LAFC. Do you guys have any guesses who it is? Uh, I'm going to say Diego Rossi. Dak, any guesses? It's going to be Diego Rossi. I think with this tournament coming back after three months of the game being stopped, I think teams are going to be overly concerned with Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi is absolutely going to prosper on that left-hand side, whether it's you know him cutting in on the right-hand side or going at players one-on-one, whatever it – or him cutting in from the left side going into the right or him going at players one-on-one. I think Diego Rossi is going to flourish. He's 21. Uh, we recorded the podcast last night. One of the topics we were going to talk about is players that we think need to move to Europe. Diego Rossi is a player that is going to prove himself in this tournament. He proved himself last year. He's going to continue to prove himself. He's going to get that attention. I think Diego Rossi is your okay. golden boot winner okay. of the okay. MLS's back tournament. You know what that? So, boys, that was that was a hell of an episode. That's there was a lot of predictions. There was a lot of stuff there. Do you guys have anything you guys want to close out or lead up with, or any more questions? No, honestly, have? I just can't work for this. This tournament starts July 8th, and can't wait to watch our crew play, baby. Let's go black and go. Woo-woo! Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm super excited. I'm really intrigued how this group A is going to work, um, just because you have teams not playing everybody. But that's for a different time. That's for my inner questioning how it's going to work, figuring that out. It's easy to say they're just going to simply play soccer, but at the same time, it's it's tough to get your head around how that's going to work when it comes to the tie breaks and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm just looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to soccer finally being back within our country, the MLS being back. We have soccer going all, all around the world, but the fact that MLS is so dear and close to our hearts, it makes it even more special that it's coming back. Guys, MLS is back. This episode was really only supposed to be about 30 minutes long, and we have probably just entered an hour. Um, that just shows you guys how hyped we are about this. As soon as we watched the you know, the live draw at 3.30 p.m., we were all so excited, and we didn't even think about doing this until right before the live draw happened, but there was no way we could ignore what just happened and how big of a moment this was for the MLS. 25 years in, we get our first – Many World Cup turn not a mini World Cup, but a World Cup type tournament. All teams knockout stages after the group stage. So we, we had to bring some predictions and some some insight to you guys. So for me, this is Blem. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we, we appreciate it. Go listen to our uh, previous podcast that we released last night. We talked about some of the specifics, whether it's the structure of the tournament, the important dates of the rules. You guys go listen to that. Um, other than that, guys, again, thank you. 
We'll catch you guys. I don't, this is our second podcast in two days. We're not going to record another one until at least next Wednesday. We're going to take a couple <laughs> days off. So and, <laughs> until we, until we record another one tomorrow, not, I, I'm just playing uh, until we record another one next week, guys, please stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. Keep wearing your mask, keep washing your hands, doing all those things. Keep standing up for what's right. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.